0: Bienvenidex, to Merendiando. This week we are speaking with local comedian and queen Nilu Handa. Neelu is a
1: comedian, actor, writer, and producer based in Toronto. She's written and performed on a bunch of hit Canadian television shows like The Baroness Von Sketch Show, The Beaverton, Working
0: Moms, and Jam. In 2015, Nilu created Das Queen, a groundbreaking monthly night of comedy that showcases women of color. It is the first Thursday of every month and you can even watch it on Zoom during these isolation times. We talked
1: about Nilu's journey of getting into comedy, being politically correct while being funny, and making space for women of color in comedy. As always, before we get into this episode, we gotta check in about our meriendas or our snacks. So Monica, you recently had a birthday, happy birthday. You probably ate a lot of sweet treats over the weekend.
0: Yes, because I aged, I decided to eat a lot of sweets and we made a tres leches cake, which it was, actually pretty good but my friends also send me some craig's cookies and oh i've been eating craig's cookies every day oh man okay if you don't know about craig's
1: cookies they're an amazing toronto-based bakery that specializes in delicious cookies fancy cookies and you can get them delivered anywhere in the city so there's info about them in the show notes they're a great gift to yourself or others you know
0: Before we get into this episode, we want to remind everybody that we've been recording all of our interviews over Zoom, and sometimes because of the internet and the pandemic and everything else going in the world, the audio quality is not the best, but the interview quality is amazing, so we recommend to listen to this episode with headphones. So go get a snack and let's dive in. So we started
1: off our conversation asking how Nilu is coping while sheltering in place, and she said she's actually been pretty busy. She's still working on a now virtual writing room for a TV show, and she's working on her monthly comedy show, Yas Queen, and taking lots of breaks
0: for her eyes against the bright lights of the screen. Nilu grew up in Branton with a traditional Punjabi family. She went to business school, worked in marketing for a while and after she got fired for one of her jobs, this prompted her to start a comedy career.
2: After I got let go from um this company called Much Music, I I um started taking an in improv class at Second City. Improv one one, I think it was like that was like ten years ago. And it just it just caught like fire for me. So um I still worked uh, in corporate until about 2014, and then I decided to take the leap and just try this thing that I'd always gravitated towards, and always kind of when people talk about fashion, I, I couldn't really think of one before I found this. Um, so I feel very lucky that I've been able to kind of uh, hit it at the right time. Uh, I feel like if I had started uh, right out of high school, I'd be burned out pretty quickly because I don't think the world was ready for. Um, featuring more people of color uh, and now it just feels like the tides have
1: completely shifted for the better. I was reading in uh, one of your interviews and you said that even your presence is political and I feel like you really use that and uh, it's just I commend you for it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah um, Yeah, and and I'm wondering like so You work in comedy mostly, and I'm wondering, as you have now established yourself more in like the scene, the comedy scene here, how would you describe a Canadian sense of comedy or sense of humor? Is that even something you can say, like a Canadian sense of humor? I feel like, um,
2: I don't know, I think the Canadian sense of humor is evolving Uh, I think we all grew up with a certain brand and a certain, (laughs) you know, voice that it comes from. Uh, I'm talking about white men, Uh, Mm -hmm. but now it's become much more diverse. And I think the thing um, being a writer and kind of uh, seeing it from the inside and understanding how writing works, it really is about your voice and uh, finding your truth in it. So I think I think there is a big shift uh, in a lot of uh, comedy rooms and a lot of drama rooms probably to just be a bit more truthful about what the experience of being a human is. Um, And I mean, that stuff is so loaded with comedy anyway.
1: I think part of the way that that's formed is what people like other countries recognize from us. Cause I, I also have trouble wrapping my head around like, the nation having one opinion like this country of imaginary borders having one opinion but it's more like what other countries expect of us or like what our um reputation is na- internationally
0: we've seen that comedy has changed a lot like now there's mm-hmm. things that you can't say because you shouldn't say them right um uh, yeah. but do you think that this means that some people think they can't express certain things or now it's like this uh uh, this culture of, like, being afraid of trying new things because you you might get canceled or people don't want to follow you? I think
2: that if you're being an asshole, you're being an asshole. Uh, and if you're hiding behind comedy <laughs> uh, to mask that, I think it's pretty easy for the right group of people to suss that out. Um, I think there's still comedy that works for a lot of people that um, many... Uh, marginalized people or, um, you know, uh, other people would be offended by and insulted by and not feel safe with. Uh, So, I mean, people are free to express themselves however they want to express themselves. I just think that the appetite for things that seem ignorant or short-sighted or phobic in any way um, that oppresses any groups that don't need to be pushed down further. <laughs> um, I, I think people are losing their appetite for that. And I think that's a good thing.
1: And if you can't come up with a better joke than insulting somebody, uh, you should probably rethink your comedy. This part of the interview really surprised me. We asked her about being a visible minority in a comedy space, like when you may be the one visible person of color in a room or a femme-presenting person. And we asked Nilu if this had been her experience and how she managed it. So Neelu said that in the early days of her career, this was way more common for her that she uh, was in a space like that. And she wasn't sure if she was being hired just to fulfill a quota or for the quality of her work. But now she's way more confident that she's being hired based on her skills. She says she wouldn't continue to be hired if she wasn't good. And the rooms that she's in are actually beginning to change and diversify a lot more. I think, you know, being the only voice of color is such a weird thing because
2: there is no one narrative about what I could ever uh, say. And I can't speak for, um, uh, you know, <laughs> 8 billion people. So I, I, I think just bringing my own perspective of, of you know, lived experience and um, just what my brain and my heart feel about certain um, topics I think that's important. I don't <laughs> write into scripts, uh, characters uh, who have no other like descriptions of like who they are and just being like per- perfectly a person of color um, just because uh, some of these parts are um, more elevated. And I think that, you know, uh, there's a lot of actors out there who have been cast as the, the help <laughs> a bit too much. And I think that they should be given opportunities to do more than that. Um so, yeah, I do advocate for it in all the ways that I can.
0: Do you ever feel a little bit of, of pressure or excitement about uh, seeing the, like, the generations to come of uh, women of color looking at you?
2: It's weird to be a person and then other people be like oh I want to be that person but
0: then on the day-to-day
2: I know what my life is and I know like (laughs) how my brain works I know that as like I'm just normal I'm happy if people find what I do inspiring and if I can help people then I always will Um, but you know it is a very individual pursuit this thing Um, you have to be very motivated uh, by yourself to do it and then it takes it like million people to help you out as well um, and the opportunities that you get so
1: turning pain into laughs that's that's magic well
2: that's that's what we all do I think yes I, yeah. I think people always look for look for humor in in lightening up the situation you know that's why like political satire works not maybe not so much now because everything feels like satire but like just <laughs> like shining their shining the lens on like their fallacy that we're being sold Um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, sorting through this common human experience to be, like, more just shining a light on the bullshit. I think that's such such an important thing, and whatever form that comes in, whether it's, like, whether it's, like, educating yourself a lot or just, like, deferring to humor to kind of understand things, I I, I think that's a very
0: important um, channel to have. We asked Nilo about how Jazz Queen started, and we went back to 2015 after she finished the diversity program at Second City. After finishing the show, they wanted to remount it somewhere, and Bad Dog Theater was a the place that later became the home of Jasqueen.
2: I went to Bad Dog and um, rented uh, three nights there, and I worked with Julie Dumey Osborne, who is the artistic director at Bad Dog, who now is the artistic director at Second City. Um, uh, but Julie is one of these game-changer people. Um, so after we did our run there, she asked me if there was anything else that I wanted to do. And that idea of Yass was birthed out of that diversity program because I was working with uh, this group of incredibly funny women of color who um, I hadn't really worked with uh, before. Some, some of them I had just met through this program and I just kind of felt the temperature was starting to shift, and it felt like it was a good time to start up a show like that. Like I think at that time, there was um, Zalina, uh Douglas had a show called Things Black Girl Today, and I think that was um, that was kind of the only diverse show that was uh, on the scene at that time. I might be wrong. There might have been a couple others. Oh, there was a the Nubian show always, which is such a um like it's such an established legendary show um but I I wanted to help women um so I just made Yas Queen and had a bunch of my vibes on it and it was like a variety show of like improv and stand-up and I think we had Sketch as well in that first one and just tested it out and it, it felt good to do it. And I um, just kept going with it. Julie so had created an opportunity to do it as a recurring monthly show. So I just went with it. And then it was like, I honestly, I felt like I had just like <laughs> opened my eyes and it had been already four years. And I can't believe that it's been happening for this long, that I've stuck with something for this long <laughs> um but I'm glad I'm I'm glad it's been happening and I'm I'm happy that people have um found a a nice space space with it
1: that's amazing like producing a live show in Toronto for five years is seriously you deserve an award (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) Uh, a monthly show
2: (laughs) it's yeah the producing part it kind of like I was very much interested in that actually because I came to a business background and that those muscles are very developed in me. Um, so I found that to be actually hmm. very fun to do. And I still find it to be fun. Mm. Now, thank God I have a team, um, uh, Neha, Koli, and Neda Sarsha that helped me out with everything. And I love them so much. And all of our names start with N.E. And we love that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's great um, to have, To have this like a support and to have their enthusiasm about everything and they're just so good and on top of everything and I adore them.
1: Amazing. like over the past like five years I guess have you seen like a change in what audiences are looking for or what have you seen of that?
2: I think it always hits when uh, the performers are talking about a personal situation that is like it seems like culturally very specific but You know, it's just such a laugh when you realize that it's such a universal thing. So I think people really love that, like hearing something that comes from a completely different background, but it's just such a relatable thing. That's why comedy works, I think, is because you you say you find that negative truth in the in the bullshit of it all. (laughs) Um, And people can laugh about that, which is great. Um, I think the yeah, I think the audience has just like been evolving like there's um you know we have a big queer following which is wonderful we have people of different backgrounds we have you know the the white guys that want to go in the front row god bless you um (laughs) we have you know we have um people in the industry people who've never seen like a stand-up show with women of color before and they have their minds blown like i think i think it's great that our audience is always changing and we do have I think we do have a core audience of people who, um, who just are, are welcoming of this new, um, uh, this new selection. You
0: know what I mean? And can you tell us like one of your favorite aned- anecdotes of Jazz Queen?
2: I'll talk about you, Monica. Mm. Um, I-, I went to comedy and there was this um, student show happening, and uh, on stage for like maybe two minutes was this woman from Mexico who I thought was so funny and made me laugh and howl um, and uh, just stood out so much against um, what was happening on stage uh, and I hunted her down and uh, asked her to do stand-up at Yas Queen and she did and she slayed and I was like so pleasantly surprised but I also knew that it was coming because you know Monarchy is such a great comedic presence and such a vibrant presence that I knew that you could pull off anything with your with your smart brain and your bullshit mouth okay um <laughs> and <laughs> yeah I think I think I, I think you are you're such a wonderful
0: find and I think you're doing such good things and um for the community that was my first time ever doing stand-up ever and it was out of, yeah, like... No way! Yeah, it was... Because I, I was kind of new to comedy. You know how when you are maybe younger and you do funny things, but you're not thinking, oh, this is a career for me, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, so for me, it was like... Never, I never thought about comedy as a thing that I wanted to follow until I moved to Toronto. And I did it mostly because I had fun. And then uh, Jasmine was the first show... Where I did stand up, that I was like, "Wait a second, this is something I actually enjoy," and I'm just telling stories about me and Jesus, as I often do, oh. <laughs> and people <Yeah>. enjoy them.
2: <laughs> yeah, it really hits. Yeah, That's great. Uh, yeah, I think um, I, I think that opportunity for me uh, at Gas has always been my favorite um, when people perform for the first time on that show um just seeing that kind of like world open up to them um and i'm i'm happy to give people an opportunity to do comedy in a space that feels safer than you know the open kind of shark pit <laughs> that the open mic nights kind of feel like or you know it's it's hard for it's hard for people to get in with uh producers and bookers so I'm i'm happy to give them a little bit of confidence so that they can Go to their go to go out to the bigger world and see other opportunities that they can get if if it helps them in any way.
1: It's an ecology, so having a door open at different uh, levels of different audiences. That's like really important, and I feel like Yas Queen has become a really well-known door at like a level that's very accessible for lots of people. I'm glad that
2: it's become that. It's it's really has been its own like organic thing that's grown, um, and I. I, I I don't know I I have a I have you know I I love what it does and but I don't <laughs> this sounds weird, but I don't think it's mine you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I think it lives as something outside of like anything that I could be like oh this is my thing like it's definitely not my thing but it doesn't happen uh, without like everybody so it feels mm-hmm. like um, I I love that it's this connector for people I and mean, something that they can feel like. They're a part of.
1: Yes, Queen has now moved to Zoom. Everyone was moving online, so they thought, why not our show? And it's actually been a great experience so far. It, it worked really well. Everyone had like, a different uh, comedic like style,
2: obviously, because we're all so different. Um, but it, it all kind of went itself really well. Everyone was doing a really good job. All the jokes landed, and it was kind of fun to have the chat uh, kind of uh, happening at the same time. People were just, like, commenting and just sing, laughing out loud at certain moments and things like that, so that was great. It was great to see that kind of connection, and um,
0: uh, people I really enjoyed it, actually, which I, I'm i happy. So what is your favorite pandemic snack? My favorite pandemic snack? You know, you know what I like? I really... I really like oranges. There's something about
2: an orange because it's like, it's so, it's just citrus and it's like fresh and it's like tasty and it's like not what the world feels like right now. And, you know, uh, it's just, it's the simplicity of it that I feel quite grateful for, actually.
1: No, that's, that's so real. And on top of everything else, you're getting a big shot of vitamin C. So you've got like all the bases covered.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yes, just get a okay, uh, shout out to your own show.
1: Yes, Queen is tomorrow
2: night, uh, May 7th at 8 p.m. And um, we've got like a really great lineup. Uh, Monica will be performing with the Queendom. So that'll be fun. And then, um, yeah, we've got like uh, Carol Zockley and Hoda Hersey and Noor Hadidi and Heather McDonald and uh, Seamus Aperi <laughs> to bring some musical tunes. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. And we'll be posting our uh, link on social. So just follow us at Queen
1: Comedy.
0: Thank you so much for coming to our podcast. Well, for not coming because you're at your house. Thank you so much for connecting to do the podcast <laughs> with us.
1: This podcast is recorded in Toronto or Dagarondo, the territory of the Anishinaabe Nation, the Wendat Nation, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and nations recorded and unrecorded.
0: We are deeply thankful to these nations for stewarding the land so that we might live in peace and respect for each other, as it is outlined in the Dish With One Spoon Wampup that all people who live here, settlers, indigenous folks, and others, must adhere to. Radio Luna Teatro is produced by Aluna Theatre with the support from the Metcalf Foundation, the Late Law Foundation, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Ontario Arts Council, and the Toronto Arts Council,
1: Aluna Theater is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Schwellness with Sue Ballant and Gia Namens. Radio Aluna Theater is produced by Camila Diaz Varela and Monica Garrido.
0: For more about Aluna Theater, visit us at alunatheater.ca, follow at Aluna Theater on Twitter or Instagram, or like us on Facebook.
1: Follow and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Miigwech and Yawangoa.